Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Dilip George, the co-founder at Vicarious AI, and we discuss their long-term goal of building artificial general intelligence, learning from failures to come back even stronger, and the relationship between feed forward and feedback information. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello. Hey, Joel. Hey, how are you, my friend? Uh, good. How are you? Amazing. Let me just make sure to get my audio to come through my AirPods. All right, that should be good. So we're recording right now, and okay. we can edit anything. So we record the whole time, and we just hang out and just talk. I was so excited, like for a couple of things. The first thing is these days in my life, when I get to record these episodes are the best days of my life. Uh -huh. Like I, I absolutely love them. And especially when I get to talk to people like you. So I did a ton of research on you. I was super excited to get to speak today because uh, you're a nerd like me. And we think a lot about different but similar things. And I was reading your thesis about you know how the brain might work. And I was reading about the your company and its values, which I love that you post its values on the website. And then one of my favorite graphics on the entire website was you had like the vision of the company and you you compared it against other companies. So you had like Microsoft, and you said at the beginning they started as a basic interpreter, then they built the operating system, and now there's a computer on every desk. And then for you, you know, you had industrial applications, AI for robots, and general purpose robots. And that yes. really helped paint a picture for me because I saw the robots and the arms and and then I was like but then I also read your content and I was like how do these all connect and then that brought it together for me oh wow thank you oh uh, yeah I am really excited to talk to you too because you know I am I am a nerd at heart and uh, I like <laughs> I like uh, going deep into technology and and science and uh, and uh, building companies with a long-term vision that's that's really exciting so what is like what is the official long-term mission of vicarious the official long-term mission is to build artificial general intelligence and that's uh machines that are intelligent like us which means building rich models of the world and being able to use those models of the world in completely novel situations that we haven't encountered before and machines that have common sense and can know what's the right way to behave in new situations. So that is all what makes general intelligence and building machines that have general intelligence is the, is the long-term goal of the company. And I've, I've thought a lot about this, okay. like a <laughs> lot. So about three years ago or three or four years ago, before I started the podcast, uh -huh. I had two, I had two paths in front of me. And the first path was going and building an AI startup. Uh -huh. which specifically focused on storing memories so that okay. you'd be able to interact. It was like for a social concept, like you would socially interact with maybe Alexa and you would you could develop relationships, you know, companionship type concepts. And I was doing that, doing the papers and understanding and researching it just because I thought it was the future. However, I saw, I said, I couldn't come up with a good commercial application mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. Right? And I didn't think the, the world was ready for this type of commercial application. And so I said, okay, well, if I put my money into this and I'm off by a year 
right or a year or two then i'm out i'm out right. of the game i'm knocked right. out of the game but if i put money into the podcast and build relationships and get to know people that will benefit me no matter what right. long term so i analyzed those two paths and i picked i picked uh the podcast one and it worked <laughs> <laughs> it was good that's great i think i think it's a good decision because some of those applications it's really the timing and it has to be the right sweet spot for in terms of how good the technology is and how well it works together in terms of uh, how real time it is um, so a lot of things have to align and the market needs has to align in the right time and uh, probably this not there uh, even now with e- even all the advances in ai so i think you made the right decision i just <laughs> yeah i was like <laughs> this is way farther off like we're going to need you guys to have like it'll be a problem you're solving when you have robots in every house and the people right. are starting to want to interact with them on on a deeper level but uh, it was fun nonetheless to like map it all out and attempt to attempt to solve it and come up with everything but you found a way because you know you have this vision forward and you found a way to make it commercially applicable and relevant today yeah so what are you doing so initially when we started we were focused purely on research and it was it was just a bunch of friends who uh, shared this vision of having you know building a artificial general intelligence as as a long term goal building a company around that idea and uh, for the first few years it was it was Uh, a very small team uh, just six people and uh, focused on just doing research and uh, uh, and we always knew that we will want to build applications in the trajectory of the company and we wanted to find applications that align with the long term mission of building general intelligence and it should be okay as you as you build more and more powerful algorithms it should benefit uh, your the applications and robotics is in many ways the right application because you know as you as you build better understanding of the world around you as as your algorithms start understanding the world around you they can we can put those algorithms on the robots to make them smarter and uh, they can be applied in more diverse settings so you can um, and um, so algorithms getting smarter and more applications opening up align very well uh, in robotics and another good thing about robotics is that it has all the right ingredients it has a body it has it, you know you need to interact with the real world it is not just manipulating uh text uh, or it is not just language you need to understand the world and be able to interact with it and that interaction with the world is a core requirement for uh, an agent to have intelligence and so that's also one reason why we picked robotics as the problem to work on I love I love it. And and so you have these today it's like these robotic arms and you're doing like this these called picking. Can you explain that? Yeah. So so this is something a 5-year-old child can easily do, right? Which is uh if you if you tell the child uh to pick up uh, objects and pack them in a box. That is extremely easy for a 5-year-old child to do. But most of the industrial applications or most of the manufacturing is just that which is basically picking up objects and putting them together in a particular way and and that's our first application of uh, robotics in a in a warehouse or in an assembly line pick up objects uh, which are presented in a cluttered bin 
and being able to manipulate them the right way and putting it in a box or doing uh, light assembly. And this looks like a very easy task, you know, because it, this is not uh, like theorem proving or uh, playing chess or playing Go. Uh, this is something a child can do. But it turns out this is actually a hard problem and requires quite a bit of, uh, quite a lot of intelligence because you need to understand how, one, you need to have good perception of the world. You need to be able to understand how objects behave when you poke around them. And you need to be able to manipulate them and orient them in the right way to precisely place it in the assembly. So it has many, many different uh, challenges and it has wide variety of applications because this is 90% um, of manufacturing. Oh, this is awesome. I, so I wanna, do, I wanna do a thought experiment with you. I think it'll be fun. Uh -huh. All right, so imagine that we are on Mars and okay. we are looking down at earth right and we're watching time pass from like you know the 19 early 1900s to today uh -huh. and see, you know all the lights start to come on and all the infrastructure change and then you and i are up there and we're aliens okay yeah. <laughs> and we ask ourselves the question what are the humans building yeah oh okay <laughs> we are building roads man we are building roads <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. That is a very, very, uh, hmm. Uh, would they be able to find a pattern? That's, oh, wow. <laughs> That's a nice. Yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot and it, you know, I get different thoughts like all the yeah. time. And so I'm, I'm now asking people this to see, you know, what pops into their head randomly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not able to find a connection from that to intelligence. I mean, we could say, oh, humans are building general purpose intelligence or as, as a society, they are becoming more intelligent. But the recent evidence is all against that. You know? so... That's what I've heard too. Yeah, I feel like we've been coming smarter, but then I hear a lot of people say the evidence points against that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, so not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I I was thinking that, you know, or a couple, I guess a couple ideas that I had was it kind of looks like silicon is taking over the world. It's like silicon uh -huh. showed up, right? And it's like, right. if you look at the humans objectively, they're staring down at their devices all day and then they make money to spend their money to build more devices, to build more technology. And they just, it's like, we're, we're like worshiping technology and, and doing everything we can. And then, you know, I look at like the, like the hospitals and stuff. And that's all just, you know, there's like infrastructure and energy, but all of these systems are just to help us do this work of uh -huh. making more technology. That was, that was one idea that I had. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been compressed though. Like, you know, that's only the last 10 years. If you look at from the, the 1900s until now, the electronic revolution will, you know, it's, it's so so compressed. And most of the effects of that are, being felt only now, right? We we are sometimes seeing the black mirror kind of situations where we you know we are all just plugged into a social network and being manipulated uh, uh, kind of things. But that's only uh, recent. Although the the buildup for the technology revolution has been happening for a long time, the network level effects of technology I think has happened only probably in the last ten years. 
if you could, would you go into the computer? <laughs> I would. <laughs> but yeah, what, what would it be for? Because going into the computer doesn't tell you any more than what you're seeing from outside. So it would be like going into a video game for kind. I guess we'll narrow it. For, yeah. It will be like going into a video game, but uh, you will you'll enjoy it for a while. But finally, it is, it is just a freeway. Uh, and, uh, and, and a bunch of switches and traffic lights. So, you know, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, I often think about, you know, I, I rewatched, I'd say last weekend, I, I rewatched uh, the Matrix movies. Uh -huh. I hadn't seen them probably, you know, since they came out. So, yeah, 10 years. Yeah. And I was blown away by, like, the thoughts, because when you're, when you're younger, you don't, necessarily have the capacity to wrap your mind around the story it's just a cool action movie right uh but then as an adult i was like oh, i wonder what that was actually going for and then i watched it and i was i was like really surprised about uh how deep these thoughts were across these movies yeah 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 actually yeah i had the same thing because when i watched matrix the first time I, uh, I didn't even understand what the thing was about. <laughs> so everybody said this is a cool movie. And, I, and, and this is when I was, no, uh, you know, I wasn't watching that many English language movies. I was in India, I was a kid. And uh, so I didn't understand what the big deal was about. And uh, probably one year back, I watched the movie again. And, uh, and wow, it, it makes, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful what they have thought about. And uh, of course, the premise is wrong about, you know, how, of the story comes about but still uh it's after if you just suspend your disbelief and take that as a as a you know just uh, humans are being used to extract energy etc just just as the premise but but the rest of the things that they built around that is just amazing and uh, totally makes sense because you know all all that we see as the world are just electrical sensations coming into our nerves and you can completely emulate that and you can you can i can make you feel that you are in the real world just by giving the right impulses on your nerves and you won't you won't know the difference and that is definitely beautifully captured in that movie and then do you really want to know the real world versus do you you know would you rather live in an imaginary world where everything is nice <laughs> yeah, i thought it was interesting the human part of it how they originally tried to make a world where like everything was perfect but then like nobody liked it yeah yeah and so then they made a wor world where you work and i was right. like well that's an interesting <laughs> interesting concept like if everything is always the same yeah you know we we are naturally in an environment where chaos runs through the environment right and so how weird would it feel to be in a state of perfection where nothing ever changes i think we would almost hate it to some degree yeah i think it will be like being in singapore <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i've seen like one video about singapore and it was uh like video blogger who had talked about like why he moved to singapore and he did make it seem like perfect yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is very ordered nice no 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 trash on the street and very, very uh, nice traffic patterns uh, beautiful airport yeah so it's, it's great <laughs> Well, it's newer too, right? Yeah, yeah, it is newer too. Yeah, and it's uh, it it's well run. It's run like a company. It's a country being run like a company. Really? Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it's a small country, and it's it's almost like a CEO at the top. I think uh, that's 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 the way it is run. 
Huh, that's interesting. I'll look I'll look more into that. Yeah. I haven't heard that analogy before or that relationship before. That's pretty cool. How, do you know how big it is? Like is it like Huh, I don't know the population size actually. No, I don't. Not on top of my head. Come on. <laughs> You're supposed to be prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure my my 10 year old knows uh, he is he's uh, just studying the population of different different countries and uh, he he just comes up with these numbers sometimes and i i i always think that he's making it up but then i when i go and look it up he's actually right <laughs> <So>. <laughs> our producer just messaged me he said 5.6 million 5.6 million okay that's see that's yeah. a small uh, that's a whole country that's small yeah yeah how how so your son's 10 you said yeah and he's interested in population sizes what else is he interested in he's interested in companies he's interested in spacex he's a big fan of elon musk even when <laughs> even when he was four years old like, you know we had this car electric car the toy car that we got he made me print out the tesla logo and put it on the on the car <laughs> 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 and, uh, so, uh, yeah so yeah he's into space some amount of ai but a lot about uh, companies and uh, now uh, quite a bit into video games and trying to learn coding etc oh that's pretty cool yeah that's exciting yeah. <laughs> yeah. the world the world is so much more available today to all the technology it's so cheap you can amazon engineering kits to you like you yeah. can do so you could do so much it's just i'm so excited for this i'm excited to become old right because if <laughs> i've seen what happened when like i knew how much technology was available when i was a kid yeah and it was like not much at all it was very rare the place we'd go would be like radio shack you know that's like yeah what my dad would take me to and uh yeah but now it's just everywhere and it's and it's cool and it's yeah. cool right right yeah right. yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is amazing compared to living in uh, India before the internet period. Uh, I I grew up in a small village and uh, we had this small library in the in the in the we call the uh, panchayat library, the local library. I used to just go there and I I just read up all the books there. So there was nothing left to read in the in the whole village. And then uh, then I had to go get books from some teachers who I knew had books, and you know they I, I would borrow books from them and. Uh, so it's so different now, even in that small place, because now, because of the internet, information is available everywhere, right? So when I was growing up, I had I had no idea, uh, okay, what what is Stanford like, or wh what does studying in America look like, or what is a startup company? All that information is available now. People, uh, you know, kids in my in my uh, place, uh, the same place, uh, now twenty years later. They, they know all these things because it's available on their fingertips. Uh, so, which is amazing, a different way, different time to grow up in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Elon Musk finishing his Neuralink because then that'll that'll change the world entirely. You just have the information right on tap. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> um, that that have you seen the pictures of the Neuralink like machine, like the giant alien looking like device that they'll use to actually like do the implantation of the device no, i haven't seen the Neuralink one but i have seen you know similar ones you know it's basically a surgical placement uh machine right yeah 
yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen the Neuralink one. Uh, yeah, but th- those are uh, cool. Would you get the Neuralink? How, how, how long would it have to be out for you to like get it as a consumer? Uh, yeah, I don't think I will get it anytime soon. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to mess up my brain directly like that. You know? so. <laughs> I think the words enhance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like for me, I would have to wait and I would wait until like a person. I would need to see the people I know that yeah. like get it and have it for a while and have incredible benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I would need to see it like that, or it would have to be like non-surgical. I'd be more interested in it if it was non-surgical, right? If it was like, yeah. And also what are the long-term effects that too, you know, like, you know, so let's say they had a great 10 years and then it just goes down you know, after that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. That is true. You've got that going on or like, yeah. There's all sort. My mind is just iterating through every single possible issue right now, and it's just too many to even, too many to list. But they, they like you, have a very smart approach. They're solving very real problems: people with disabilities, yeah. people with horrible diseases, and they're starting small. And there's money there. You can right. solve these problems and get paid. And then you have, and then it's basically you've got this engine that you're growing that's got all this collective knowledge and all of these great people. And yep. then you can you can finance your own internal R and D projects and constantly reimprove the product and yeah it's very very yeah. cool yeah um, they are very disciplined and they do have short term goals that are very very practical and uh, and can uh, make money mostly in the research setting but also probably in therapeutics so it's it, uh, I think it's very cool it's a very uh, although the the final outcome is science fiction like the the root uh, to that uh, science fiction like outcome is nowhere like science fiction you know incremental steps on onto on that uh, destination yeah the, the amount of time it takes is important because it gets us all adjusted to it and right. it just kind of kind of happens like one of the yeah. cool conversations i was having with uh shri who's a cto of paypal uh-huh. He was talking about ambient payments. So like when you get out of a Lyft or an Uber, when do you actually pay? Right. Like the payments are happening like in an ambient way. And it's like our technology, I feel, progresses like that too. It just kind of happens. Right, right, yeah. So are you excited? Do you get to like be mad scientists over there and, and run a bunch of futuristic projects? Or is it just focused on the uh, on the current clients and the arms? Uh, well, it, uh, it varies. Uh, I think uh, part of the challenge in uh, running a company like vicarious uh, is that you have to balance the the long-term vision uh, and the long-term futuristic projects with with the short-term uh, needs or the customer needs um, and and you need to have a very clear judgment on uh, what's the purpose of each project that you're doing you know some of those projects you are very clear right that this is not something i'm shipping to the customer in the next month or two months or even a year, uh, you know that this is this is the outcome of this uh, project is going to be a paper and it is cool. It is um, it, the the real applications is three years out, but it is it is something that you need to do now 
as research on the path to uh, general intelligence. So, so some of our projects are like that, and you need to be very clear about that. You don't want to, you don't want to take your uh, research projects, real research projects, and say, oh, we are going to force it into the product right now. That never works. You, you really need to be clear about the, the engineering side really needs to be uh, driven by, okay, these are the customer problems that need to be solved. And this is the approach that will solve those problems and with the right constraints, you know, because when you're thinking about an, uh, a problem, a, a robot that needs to work in a warehouse 24 hours a day with, with high accuracy and a very low failure rate, there are some very stringent requirements for the, the kind of algorithms that you can put in. And also, you know, the, the speed of operations, there are stringent requirements on the cycle time you know how how fast should these algorithms work so that is not the you know you don't want to always push your most sophisticated algorithms into that production uh, um, all the time so you really need to run the the engineering part of your organization uh, based on real customer needs and real customer constraints and and then the research side yeah you really need to be ambitious there and uh, there you yeah you do want to keep the problems from the the real world in mind but not necessarily all the constraints for example the speed of processing uh, that constraint you don't necessarily want to keep in your research on your research side because you know that's that's just a temporary constraint based on the processing power power available now on a particular gpu so so there you can take those risks you can still be informed by the needs from the customer side the problems from the customer side but you don't want all the constraints on the consumer side. So you have to um, keep that in mind uh, while doing the search. And how did you come up with the name? Oh, Vicarious. Well, yeah, we thought about lots of names and uh, we thought about, you know, what would be one word that signifies uh, the kind of intelligence that we are trying to build. And if you think about, you know, the highest form of intelligence is being able to be in someone else's shoes, being able to see the world from somebody else's viewpoint, basically being able to model how you think about the world in addition to my own uh, model about the world. And so that, that is experiencing things vicariously. And so that's, that's the highest form of uh, intelligence. And, and there are multiple levels to this one, basically saying that just being able to think about something without actually doing it, is also called vicarious evaluation. You know, it's called vicarious trial and error in in science literature. So, uh, so there are different levels of depths to this word. So that's why we liked it, and uh, so that's why we chose that as the name for the company. I love that. So this uh, highest form of intelligence, like, is there some ranking scale, or is that just like subjective? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, I don't think it is subjective. I do think you can put them on a scale. So just think about the evolutionary history of intelligence, right? So we, you know, uh, the evolution has uh, run for millions of years, and we have had very simple creatures who can just, you know, crawl around in the world and uh, react to the environmental stimuli, and they have they evolved some responses to environmental stimuli, which were which were adequate to make them survive in a niche most of most of the creatures in the world are like that just you know adaptive responses that 
make them survive in their own ecological niche. So those creatures, yeah, they have some very rudimentary model of the world, but nothing like a model of the world that humans have. So even that rudimentary model of the world is enough to make them survive in the, if it, if it is just survival, you can just do with some rudimentary stimulus response uh, mappings learned through evolution. But once you, once you get to animals like mammals, you know, they, they have a completely different architecture. They, it's, it's not the same kind of circuits uh, that powered reptiles that is, that is powering mammals. You know, we have something called the neocortex, which is, which is a completely different architecture compared to the old brain. And that new architecture allows these animals to build better models of the world. So you can say that horses model of the world is quantitatively you know, richer uh, than a mosquito's model of the world. Uh, so you can measure that uh, power of modeling the world. And, and now, once you start increasing the power of modeling the world, you start you know, modeling things around you, how uh, other uh, objects behave, then you start modeling how other intelligent agents behave. That becomes part of your model of the world. And when you start understanding how other intelligent agents behave, that's when you can start being really vicarious. You are brilliant. Yes. Computational or the, the power of modeling the world as the scale of intelligence. And I guess, you know, my limitations are really, I'm just trying to think like as a human. So I can, uh, I, I refer to it as a superpower. I, I talk about it a lot, actually, uh-huh. about how I can understand how a character like in a movie would think. Right. Yeah. Like I can make, I can decision like a specific character that we're all like, let's say, you know, Neo from the matrix, like we can decision like him Yeah. after you, yeah. after you've consumed enough of his decision-making skill. And we're actually pretty efficient at it because we can think like people after like watching a movie, we could think right. like one of the characters. Yes. It's really, really interesting. However, a limitation is me thinking in parallel. Like right. I can't think of two different things at the same time. However, a computing system could do this. Correct. That would be like the evolution, right? It's like what right. comes after. If you get, if you look at the the single celled organisms to the reptiles, and you and you're looking at their computational power as as a scale for intelligence, and then you get to us, and we've got this vicarious concept. But then you apply multi dimensional array to that, right. uh, and make in decision making off of like simultaneous thoughts, like that is the next evolutionary level, I would believe, right? That, that is true. There will be many cool things you can do with, uh, you know, this is, of course, science fiction realm, but uh, that would be one way in which you can try to make it more general than human intelligence, because now you can have multiple conversations in your mind in parallel, multiple personalities, and uh, then try to somehow, you know, converge onto something more coherent than being able to run one personality at a time so so those those would be very interesting because some of them might not be uh, algorithmic limitations uh, they they might be purely because our evolutionary hardware limited us from being able to run you know multiple parallel personalities so so th- yeah those would be very interesting kinds of experiments yeah it would be especially if you started looking at like neural patterns or whatever the common Determine. I'm not in this space, so I don't know. L- look at the brain patterns of 
uh, or structures of data. I was reading a lot about your research paper and you've actually like the hierarchical concepts of how they store memories in the brain and how, how the brain works. Yeah. And if you look at like a schizophrenic person, they seem to be able to have this ability to r run different things. I don't know if it's simultaneously because it seems like they switch but they still would have, they would, I bet you, if you just look under the hood, there's yeah. something interesting happening there that yeah. give them the multiple personalities that are separate and unknown of each other. Yeah. So, so one thing I think, and this one we can understand with even our current models of the brain is, is the, is the balance between feedforward information and the feedback information. So, you know, so it, when you look into the brain, you, you, you see that there are, lot more feedback connections so connections going in the other direction of the sensory system you know um, so from the eye to your infratemporal co cortex that's a feed forward direction that's away from the sensors uh, you're taking it uh, multiple processing steps but most of the connections run in the other direction which is and those are the connections which are making the predictions about you know about the world based on the model it has learned and it is this imbalance between the feedback connection. So if you, you can run the model in a way such that your senses are not giving you much information, you're, it's your feedback which is being fed into yourself. So you're basically running your own model of the world back to you and the senses do not pass through. So you can get into a mode like that. And that happens because of the imbalance between the feedback information and the feedback information. And I think we can probably even induce that using, you know, drugs or injecting, you know, by changing the mode of the, the neural firing. So some of these neural phenomena, which schizophrenia is one of them, I think we can explain those things partially, even using the current model. Some of the models that we have built can explain those things. That is fascinating. So what you were, tell me if I'm, if I pulled this in right. So you have feed, I had to make notes while you're talking. You have the feed forward information and the feedback information. And the way you were describing it, it sounded like you said that the decisioning is happening like where there's the most connections, which in my mind reminded me of like processing data at the edge versus sending it back to a central uh -huh. system. Are these decisionings happening like at the edge? Is that what we're saying? No, it's it's more um so you have an internal model of the world. You know, you have you know you have learned a model of the world and you are all the time using this model to make predictions about the world. And okay. and your own perception is a is a mix of your own internal model of the world interacting with the senses coming in. So it is you are never seeing some the world as as it is purely is you are always filtering the world through your internal model and your the final perception the, your final perception is the result of filtering your senses through your internal model of the world so this feedback connection is used for filtering or reinterpreting your sensory data based on what you have already learned based on your model that you've already built and now this mechanism most of the time works just right but you can you can change the balance of these things. You can basically um, make the senses go away, or you can make it feel like your own predictions are the ones which is being sensed. You can think that your own imagination is the real world, but just by changing the balance of those feedback circuits versus the feed forward circuit. Oh, you like hotwire your brain? Yeah, <laughs> you actually, think your imagination's real. I think I dated a few girls like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> oh, my high school relationships. <laughs> no, but that's that's actually pretty interesting. I I have a pretty strong imagination. Actually, a, a big uh, shaping factor in my maturity was learning uh, the limits and the abilities to control and discipline my imagination because it's it's active and so i i have to isolate it to tasks that require it you yeah. know and just cuz it wants to run all the time cuz if i if i let it run rampant then i would end up doing nothing with my life but wandering around in an imaginative state about all yeah. the future things i could do yeah yeah that that's like that you know i don't know whether you you have read calvin hobbs the the cartoon series uh, so in that one you know the calvin is this 5 year old kid uh, Six year old kid who has vivid imagination, and whenever he is given a math problem, his mind goes into this vivid imagination, <laughs> and, and <laughs> he converts it into being, you know, I am fighting with alien zombies, this thing, and and then the problem doesn't get solved. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's you, it's really uh, being able to balance how you use the imagination, and uh, and of course. you know even when you have the imagination you don't get confused with what is imagination and what is reality but you can with some neural pathologies so you can con- get confused with you know oh this this my imagination is the real thing and and that is the uh, that's when things uh, go wrong do you need to grab your airpod yes i will grab my airpod yeah <laughs> we'll put a uh, little bumper together for the episode we'll say um you laugh so hard your airpods will fall out <laughs> right that's how we'll promote the episode <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> so we're we're geeky people have you gotten into like the roombas or like the automated vacuums at all yes actually i did so the funny story is that when we got married like you know this was in 2005 or something i i forget the exact year now my office mates gave me okay here is a check for you to you know buy furniture and uh, whatever you know we, we are grad students so that was a big check at that time um and what did i buy we bought a roomba <laughs> so it's <laughs> smart you got to keep the place clean yeah 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 uh, and at that time uh, roomba was you know i figured that i am cleaning roomba more often than roomba is cleaning the room you know it was like you know it would it would get stuck uh, on hair or you know it would it would suck in a piece of paper or things like that and uh, you know i have to clean it more often so i ended up i think giving it away and then recently i haven't bought one because I have two boys and uh, they don't keep the floor clean at all for it you know I I I think it will uh, uh, my house will be the most adversarial space for something like Roomba to work in so <laughs> I mean I haven't got one recently That's a good point to make cuz I I have two kids too that are young and there are just toys everywhere and you know we try to clean up every night but it's basically the moment you're done cleaning up it's like their game to go break everything down <laughs> right exactly yeah and yeah i i don't think we are very consistent in cleaning up every night and sometimes we're like ah oh, it's fine <laughs> we actually so we were going to get the roomba because apparently the new ones can like empty themselves which uh-huh. is pretty cool yeah. but in, instead my wife went with um this like dyson one that looks unbelievable and I I played with it a little bit and it was like fun to, <laughs> to use but it's like a it looks like a cartoon gun 
or oh, something. Okay. okay. It goes like when you use it and it's honestly, it's one of the coolest things. I, I, I was really surprised. Like I would never have told you that I got excited about a vacuum before <laughs> until we, until we, she used it or she, she set it up like a week ago and used it. And I was like, this is actually like pretty cool. Oh, okay. My wife just asked me to buy one. So maybe I will look into the, uh, and what I heard is that it's the pleasure. It's a feedback of seeing the dirt being sucked in. You know, you can, if you can see it, that gives you the, the visceral feedback that you need. You know, that's, that's probably the, the trick there. Oh, I believe that. But yeah. the thing that got me going is the fact that it's like battery powered. Oh. And so you just like walk around with it and there's no cord and it like lasts for more than enough time that you need. And then you just hang it on the stand and then yeah. the stand's like powered. So it just charges it. Like, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you put it in the holder, when you're done, it's being charged. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I'm it's, talking about it now. That's how excited I got. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing that vacuum cleaner is this category of uh, things that has go, gotten so much attention from robotics designers, mechanical engineers. I think it's it's just amazing the amount of uh, innovation that has happened in this space. You know, I was watching uh, one video from uh, IDEO and he was describing okay here we designed a vacuum cleaner where you know you can you can keep vacuuming and when you reach there you can press a button and the code will unplug itself and uh, <laughs> come back to you <laughs> you know get whiplash <laughs> it's gonna hurt it's not sound good <laughs> and then you can plug it in right there then continue vacuuming and then you know keep going <laughs> so, there's scratches all over the walls <laughs> It's amazing the amount of uh, things that people have tried to make this vacuuming so efficient. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'll send you uh, after the show. I'll I'll talk to my wife because there's like 10 different models to say which one did we get. And then I'll uh, I'll email it over to you. So you see at least. Perfect. That'll be great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. There I go. We should get them as a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) So we should call them up. Hey, I think it's Dyson. Yeah. Hey, Dyson. So when... When you got to go out and raise money and and build you know build up the company, did you get to actually like meet Musk or Bezos? Uh, Musk, uh, yes, uh, Elon, I have met uh, a couple of times. Uh, Bezos, I haven't uh, met, but Scott has uh, met Bezos at, at a conference and and maybe once later too. Yeah, so yeah, we uh, met some of them. Have you got Have you read their their books, like their life stories? Uh, I haven't read um, the one about Elon. I just didn't want to get dis- too disappointed with myself. So, <laughs> how so? <laughs> uh, because, you know, what I heard is that you know it's kind of the Superman, the Iron Man kind of story. Uh, so I don't. <laughs> There's still time, my friend. We'll get some marketing people, some PR. We'll put a PR team together for you. <laughs> we'll get a superhero <laughs> cast after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but of course, it's 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 a very truly inspiring story. I do that too, by the way. I put my well, I put myself like at a ridiculously high standard, and I'm constantly having to like be patient with myself. Uh-huh. But I found that I get very depressed if I'm not attempting to push myself beyond what I've done before, and I've have, I have a very low patience threshold. So like. I, I actually tracked it in a journal, like, okay, I'm upset and I give up. How long does it take me to like shake out of that? 
and it's like it's sub a week it's it's like less than a week like yeah. i i just bounce back and i'm like okay i gotta do something bigger and, and i just it's like this fire and i inside of me and it's i think it's a lot of little things i don't think it's exactly like one thing you can point to but i think it's partly me choosing partly things happening to me and it's just kind of like this experience i've been going through in life and it's it's been such a a big part of my life that like i can only see it like existing forever inside of me yeah and what i have noticed is that once you start you know taking up uh, more challenging problems you start treating the other uh, the earlier ones you thought of as challenging as oh that's important i have seen this before it's fine it will work out fine you know it i don't need to stress out about that as i used to before and i think that's that's one thing you learn with experience you know you can you you can really absorb the punch from lots of problems and still still recover and uh, and some of them you recover by even not doing anything it's fine <laughs> you know you don't have to stress out over every 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 little thing uh, and and i think oftentimes it is taking up a larger challenge that gives you those lessons and when you don't have those challenges when you have those bigger problems to work on then you get distracted by the the smaller challenges the the niggly little problems and uh, you spend your energy a lot of energy on those little problems whereas when you have something even bigger to worry about those other things just go away <laughs> you see that they don't those don't matter anymore that is very true how do you get bigger better problems and that's that's actually some of the ways i track my progress is like uh-huh. what type of big problems am i solving now or i'll hear myself say like you know, say a sentence and i'll say whoa that's like while that's a problem it's amazing that i'm dealing with that problem because i'd given right. myself like you know 15 years to get to this point and i got i got here in like 3 or 4 and so i was like blow i'm just constantly amazed I'm like i'm and i'm and it all, i'm also like very grateful and then mm-hmm. that's a easier way to start the day like i i go on a run and i think about like how grateful i am and how excited i am about the different things that are going to happen and how i i'm pretty confident about what 10 years will look like for me yeah but i can i can't i mean 20 or 30 years like it's just exciting it's exciting yeah yeah it is it is and and that attitude is something important to latch on to and and keep alive throughout um it's it's not easy you know it doesn't come naturally to me you know i i have to kind of work on it but i've i've uh, developed some mnemonics to you know help me you know uh, whenever i trigger something whenever some bad thought triggers me i can i can uh, i have developed some tricks to kind of flip it you know one one way in which you know we often get mad about the world is that oh this is so unfair the world is so unfair and uh, why is this happening to me and uh, and the way the trick i am flipping is that the world is so unfair it's so great and that's why i'm able to do these things <laughs> you know so <laughs> think of it it is true if the world wasn't unfair i wouldn't be here doing these things uh, it is it is the i am i am the result of i am exploiting the result of the world being unfair so it is it is cool that way so so i've i've developed some of these uh, tricks to kind of keep the gratitude up and and focus on the positive things which is very very important yeah do you have any other tricks Oh, I don't want to give away everything. Come on, Joel. Well, I'll, I'll share one of mine. You want to hear yeah. one of mine? And that's what we want to do. We want to give away all of them because 99% of the people won't do anything with it, and then there will yeah. be one person that'll come up to you in 10 years and say, "Oh, I heard this and I used it and I applied it and it helped me." Yeah. Um, so 
one of the ones I use a lot. And I, when I first heard it, I didn't think much of it, but uh-huh. it just stuck. And it, I heard a Navy SEAL speaking, and he said he has this concept for uh, decision-making, and it's called HALT, H-A-L-T. And he uh-huh. says when he's hungry, angry, lazy, or tired, he won't make a decision. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. because you make the worst decisions when you're hungry, angry, lazy, and tired. When you're in those yeah. states of mind, you make horrible decisions. And so he doesn't make important decisions or like big things like when he's in one of those states. He gets himself into a, a, a good state and then makes the decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often, often we, you know, basically say in the in the company uh, on some of these things, you know, let's sleep on it and uh, get that absorb the context of the problem and give it a day and and get some rest before making a decision. So that definitely resonates with me. Do you have do you have one more one more tip to share? Ah, <sighs> okay. Let me let me think. Make it the uh, best one. Make it the one you want to share least. <laughs> the one that's like most impactful to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm blanking so much on that now. You know, I have I have so many of these hacks, but nothing is coming to my mind right now. You know, That's one okay. one is one is of course writing a journal every day. You uh, know that 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 is a that is a habit. When I look back, I know I I used to have that habit whenever things were challenging for me. And and then when things go easy, I kind of drop that habit. (laughs) So, uh, but I've always found that doing that is something that helps. And I, one of my wishes is to uh, be able to stick to that habit, you know, just through and through. My mom, she, she has done it throughout her life. She has been really good at it. And she has faced a lot more adversity compared to me. Uh, and you know what what she has done with her life and uh, and i think being centered by writing that journal every day is something that has helped her i think and you know i think that is that is definitely a power move so when you would do this journaling this habit would you do it in the morning or the evening or how did you do it yeah in the evening i'm not a morning person at all so <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's at uh, 1 a.m 2 a.m that kind of thing yeah so you like at the end of your day, you're right. sort of sorting your thoughts. And then yeah. when does one of the things that I've done, and I think you stated it beautifully, is I drop the habit when I'm not doing something that's too challenging. Because right. you won't like you start to seek these tools and implement these tools when you're doing the impossible because it's just so important. And I found that the thing that journaling helped me with is uh, the focus, the persistence of this of the thought, because your brain constantly wants to change these thoughts. And so, like building a business, it's very difficult, right? It's not easy because you have to be doing work, but making sure that work generates revenue at a rate to which you're cash flow positive, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you're always focused on it. And I found that the journaling would just help set the tone. I would write at night and I would reread it in the morning. Yeah, um, right. I did that as a journaling thing. I also did uh, like future authoring where I'd make a bullet point of like where like at the end of this week I'm here or, or at the end of the month I'm here and I would actually like write it out, you know, for 20 minutes uh-huh. at the uh-huh. start of my work day. Those were useful. But I think the the most useful thing is what you said, which is when you realize you're not journaling it's time to, uh, cause it takes, by the time you realize it, it's already happened for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Yes. <laughs> so like when you realize you're not journaling, you kind of have to reevaluate like, what am I doing right now? Cause I, cause, cause you're not 
like going to your full potential. And that's a tough thing. And I don't expect like I give myself um, seasons. So Uh I started, this is something new that I started this year where I'm doing 12 weeks on four weeks off. Uh So 12 weeks of all the best I can possibly do. And then four weeks of like maintenance. Uh And uh, so I'm working on that because I tried doing like 110%. And as you know, like founders, we all reach it. We we just burn out and like my health is a problem. (laughs) I have to allocate time to my health. Otherwise, I'm not going to be here to continue the work. I got to allocate time to my family and my relationships and all of that. I've got to take a step away from the work for you to get that renewed energy again. It's all very important. So one thing came back to me. So this is something I always, always use. Treating constraints as a positive thing rather than a negative thing, you know, saying that, oh, I don't have enough resources or this thing is blocking me and treating those constraints as something positive rather than negative. Because, you know, even while growing up, when I I was looking at, you know, know, I used to complain at that time that, oh, we don't have TV, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, or we don't have this thing. But those were great not to have. <laughs> so in, because that channeled my energy in completely different directions uh, and made me focused in very different directions. And had I had much more resources than I was, you know, at that time, probably I wouldn't have been as, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to use my energy creatively. So I, I consider constraints and I, this is something you have to kind of consciously do. Uh, but you once you get the habit of doing it, you you start seeing that okay, I can use that constraint as a novel superpower. And so yeah, that's a I would say a good habit to have, and it's a good hack. Yes, uh, we have a phrase around the office. We say we say constraints breed creativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is so fantastic! Thank you so much for coming Thank out. Thank you. This was hang, so much fun. This was, yeah, yeah, this was this was so much fun. Very very different from. You know, uh, oh, I thought you'd be just asking some boring robots questions or something. How do you make the, <laughs> how do you make the, how do you solve the path planning problem? You know, how, you know, instead of RRT, what would do you use or something like that? You know, but this was a lot more fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joel. No, it was fun. Yeah. It was unbelievable. You were the best. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Makes makes me feel good. Uh, thanks, Joel. And thanks, everybody else who is supporting him. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.